We believe in the church. Is the church still relevant today though? We need to look at this question. And we heard quite a few different voices there from modern day society. We don't need to be guided by what those voices say, but we do need to hear them. And we're going to be looking at at this whole topic of the church, its relevance today and for our society today. And we're going to do that over two weeks, this week as well as next week. This week, today we're going to be looking at, we believe in the church. Who is the church? What is the church? What do we do? And then next week we're going to look at, what are the signs of a church that's off track? And also, how can we be more relevant to a post-Christian and post-church society? So that's next week. So let's just go to God's Word first. And I'm not going to do an exhaustive study of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 22 today. Um, but I am going to rest what I say inside the principles in this passage. And so um, let's look at what God's Word says as the framework around what we speak about today. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 22. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus... You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. What does our statement of faith say? It's up here for you. It says, We believe the church is a living spiritual body of which Christ is the head and all regenerated persons are members. It is the proclaimer and protector of divine truth and has the God-given task of taking the gospel to a lost world. So that's what we say we believe. 
So the church today, is it still relevant or is it outdated for the year 2018? The backpackers amongst whom I move quite a lot now as they increase in numbers through summertime, a few of them react and say, really? You go to church? You're a pastor of the church? Christians that you interact with might say, and I've heard this myself, I love Jesus but not the church. Have you heard that before? I've heard it quite a lot. And maybe these people have been hurt by the church and maybe it has been the church's fault. Or they see the church as just secondary or outmoded or inefficient or just a hindrance to life. I've heard this statement too. I'm a post-church Christian. What does that statement actually say? It actually says, and I say this humbly, it says that that person is theologically ill-informed. It says that that person who says that is deliberately disobedient. And it says that that person is inherently self-absorbed. Because I'm not saying that. Scripture teaches that. So let's see what Scripture says about the church. First we see in our statement of faith that the church is a living spiritual body. It's a living church. Now look around you. Most of them are living. If they're not living, just give them a shake. Already. The word church in the Greek is just the word ecclesia, which means a gathering together, a gathering of people. And they used it of all kinds of groups. And if they had a sports meeting in the Greek day, they'd also call that a church. It was a gathering of people. But what is this specifically a gathering of? We are specifically a gathering of the brought near ones of Jesus Christ. Verse 13 says that in our passage. You see, once we were very far off in the world, we were very far from Christ, we were without life, but Jesus Christ reached into our lives and He turned our heads and our hearts to Him and He gave us life and He drew us near to Him. We are the brought near ones of Christ. And we gather together and here we are. Look around. We belong to Jesus Christ. We are in Christ as opposed to being in a physical building called a church. This isn't a church. This is a church building. It's just bricks and mortar and wood and all kinds of things. But we, the ones sitting inside here, the ones who are in Christ, the ones who are the brought near ones, we are the church of Jesus Christ. And so we don't come to church. We are the church coming together here. Do you get the difference? We are people saved by His grace. <clears throat> you see, when you become a believer, it's a personal matter. Yes, it is, but it's not a private matter. You speak to some people and they ask them, so where do you stand in the Lord? Well, no, that's private. Well, no, it's not. It's a personal matter, yes. Because how the Lord draws us, He does it in various ways, and in various circumstances, and it's real private. I mean personal. But it's not a private matter. Because <clears throat> the moment 
we, are, we become born again. The moment Christ turns us to Him and gives us life, we are born into a family. Just like when you were born physically, you were born into a family. Whether that family is dysfunctional or not, doesn't matter. You were born into a family. When you're born again in Christ Jesus, you are born into a family of other ones who've been drawn to Him. So it's not private. All who place their faith in Jesus Christ are immediately placed by the Holy Spirit into one spiritual body we call the church universal. It's the church all over the world, those who've gone before, those who've died already in past generations, way back from Adam's time, till those who will come into the future, who will die or see Christ when He returns. They are the church universal. And we are part of that Massive body who have been saved by grace. Don't let the world tell you, tell you that the church is in decline. It might be in decline numerically in their part of the world, but the church is increasing because Christ is building His church. Be encouraged. So we belong to the church universal, members of the reconciled to God body of Christ. Verse 16. And that body comprises not only the extended family of Christians throughout the world, in Ethiopia, in the Philippines, in Fiji, and in India, where we support other believers, brothers and sisters in Christ from the universal church, but it also includes those who belong to Jesus Christ in New Zealand. And they might not believe in everything exactly like we do, but they confess the name of Jesus Christ and they see Him as Lord They might be Presbyterian, they might be Baptist, they might be Lutheran. It doesn't matter if they confess the name of Jesus Christ and He is their Lord. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And one day in heaven, we're going to somehow, no, we're not going to sort anything out because we'll be overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus Christ. All these other things we've pushed aside. But it also comprises the other churches in this city of Whanganui, We are the local expression of Jesus Christ together in this city. And we gather together in various locations and buildings, but we are the body of Jesus Christ. And then it comes down to this church called the local church, Wanganui East Baptist Church. Look around you, us. And we belong to the church universal. We're not a separate group. We belong to the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. And so you join the body of Jesus Christ when you become a believer. He changes your heart and you become a member of the church universal. So then Calvin, why do you guys insist on membership of this church? It's because, my dear friend, we can't read your heart. We can't see what the Holy Spirit's done in your heart. And so the only human thing we can do is to interact with you, to ask questions, and to make sure that humanly we understand that you're a confessor of Jesus Christ and a follower of Jesus Christ. And then you're free to join us in this body. How else can we identify those who are the body of Christ? Is it just by attending? See, lots of people attend church, but they're not necessarily believers. We need to know somehow 
because we're going to come to this, we need to be protectors of the truth as well. And we, as, as leadership in the church, need to know who are we to shepherd of this body of Christ that is given here. So that's the first thing. We're a living church. We belong to Jesus Christ. He's brought the life in us and He's brought us together. The second thing is, we're a united church. We're a united church. A living spiritual body of which Christ is the head and all regenerated persons are members. We are a united church. United in Jesus Christ. How is it possible as humans who are very different and look very different and think very differently, right? If you've just interacted with anyone around you, you'll know. We're squares and triangles and circles all mixed up together in the same old fruit salad. Excuse my mix of pictures. But it's possible because of Jesus Christ and His peace which has broken down the wall of hostility. And he gives this picture in this book we've been looking at, Ephesians chapter 2, especially verses 14 to 16, where he speaks about the reconciliation that can happen between Jew and Gentile, those who are near to God in, in the way that God used the Jewish nation to show the rest of the world how he interacts with the people that he loves. But there were many, many, many who were afar off, the Gentiles, the scripture calls it, those who were not near but he brought to those to him as well. Those who were afar off, he brought near. And it uses various expressions in their passage. And Jew and Gentile could be one. Why? Because Jesus broke down the wall of hostility between them. And so you and I, we can be one because Jesus breaks down the walls of hostility between us, the walls of differences between us, the different way of thinking that we have. Why? Because he brings us citizenship into the household of God. The moment you become a believer, you become a citizen of the household of God. All these other things drop away. In Christ we are neither Jew nor Gentile. Greek, Abyssinian, Ethiopian, doesn't matter. We are one in Jesus Christ. We belong to the household of God. And then Jesus clarified it even more. He says, you are one in the household of God. Therefore, He says... A new commandment I give you. That you love one another. How is that? Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. How did He love us? He gave Himself for us. Completely. He died for us on that cross. He was separated from His Father because of His love for us. He was raised from death because of His love for us. And He's made a way for us to the Father, because of His love for us. We are to love one another as He has loved us. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. You see, the church is a picture to the world of God's mission. So when we interact with our colleagues and family and everyone who doesn't know the Lord, we are the picture of the mission of God to this earth. What's the picture they get? So we are to be a united church. And when they see our love for each other, it should speak to the world, there is a Savior and He can bring all kinds of people together. Look at them! Even them He's brought together. Thirdly, we are a led church. 
We are a led church. Who is at the head? Christ is at the head. That's what our statement of faith says. And that's what Scripture says. You see, elders are identified by the church by their love for people and their service of people. Deacons are recognized in the way that they practically serve the church. Worship leaders come and lead the services and lead us together in worship before the Lord. But they aren't the leaders of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He is, says our text in Ephesians, He is the cornerstone, verse 20. The one on whom the whole of the church is not just aligned, but then built on. And so as a church, we need to be aligning ourselves to Jesus Christ and what He wants from us constantly. How do we align ourselves to Jesus Christ? He's given us His Word. And when He gives us His Word, He expects us to obey obey His Word. Why? Because they're rules and regulations? No, because we love Jesus Christ. We want to line up. We want to have as our focus Jesus Christ. We are to be led by Jesus Christ. Church leaders today need to be reminding themselves continually of this fact. Why? Because their natural inclination is to start saying, my church. And the bigger the church, the bigger that danger of saying, my church. And it's not out of a sense of because I'm part of the church, but because I am at the head of the church. And so it's a constant thing we need to be reminded of. You see, because as soon as we do that, we start depending less on Jesus Christ. We start depending more on programs and other growth strategies that are put before us. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He is the cornerstone. He will lead us through His Word and therefore we must preach His Word. Therefore we must be discipling God's people through the Word so that they will be orientated and aligned to Jesus Christ. And if we do that, we'll have a healthy church because it's Christ-led. And so the question I have for us as Wanganui East Baptist Church, and I say us because I'm part of the church, do we still look expectantly to His leading as His people as we search His Word? When you open your Bible this morning, we're expecting Jesus Christ to speak to you and to lead you. Because you and you and you and you make up the church. So we're to be led by Jesus Christ. We're to be a growing church. Now I'm going to come to a multiplying church as well. So the growing church in this case is verse 21 and 22. We're to have spiritual depth and maturity. Why is the church in New Zealand in decline? I've just been to the Baptist Union Conference this Friday. And they say that our numbers are in decline as a union. Why is that? There's a reason for it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Let's turn there. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 says this. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Look at this now. And those who find it are few. Why is the church in the West, including New Zealand, in decline? Because the Lord is purifying His church. And those who are not of the church are walking away. 
because it's too hard. You see, a lot of people can be religious today, even though less want to be, but there are a lot of religious people who fill churches too. And that is why we are seeing churches emptying out. Because the religious are walking away. They don't want to do religion anymore. Christ is purifying His church. And if we want to be Christ-led, we need to take note of it. Because we need to be proclaiming His Word and doing church His way so that He will have His hand on the church. So we aren't supposed to look at numbers specifically. We have to look at depth and maturity in Christ. These people sitting around us, how deep are they in Christ? How do they know His Word? How do they interact with His Word? That's what should be important to us, not filling seats in churches. Christ will add to His church. That's His thing. He will bring those He wants to add to His church. We are to do His work His way. We are to preach the Word and disciple. He will add to His church. So we are to be a growing church. Why? Because our text says, verse 21 and 22, He's growing us into a holy temple. You see, the church consists of saved sinners who continue to struggle with their own weaknesses, right? Unless you one is an exception. We're all covered in spiritual warts. But the good news is that as the Holy Spirit works on us, He removes those warts one by one by one. And so at the end of it, we're going to be perfect. And when we look in the spiritual mirror one day, we're not going to see a perfect person. We're going to be seeing someone who's like Jesus Christ. Warts removed. No more sin. And so when you look around you, yes, you're going to see people with warts. Spiritual warts. And you can, you can name on your one hand, or maybe on two, all the things that really irritate you about them. But guess what? They're doing the same to you. And when you look in the mirror, and Christ shows you, you'll see those spiritual warts. But the good news is, is that we are to be a growing church. The Holy Spirit is growing us into a holy temple. What is a holy temple? A temple, a place where God is worshipped, which is set apart for His purposes only. He's growing us into that. And He's taking those warts of sin away from us so that we will become a dwelling place for God. Yes, God is in the midst of us. But we are a very impure church. And one day when we are in heaven with Him and God is in the midst of His church, as we've seen in the book of Revelation will be perfect, a place fit for God, a dwelling place for God. And whose work will that be? The Holy Spirit. So persevere and have patience with your neighbor. God is working on them as He's working on you. See, the Holy Spirit is changing us to be like Christ. We're going to be perfect and spotless, a dwelling place for God Himself. Do you see the, the Trinity at work here? We're going to be like Jesus Christ. We come to be God's perfect place of worship through the work of Jesus Christ. And who is doing it? The Holy Spirit is changing us. There's the Trinity at work in your life, in the work of this church, in you. And is it all about you then? 
Is the whole Trinity just focused on getting you sorted so you can look like Jesus Christ? No. It's all about God's glory in the end. It's not about you. Some of these questions people asked or statements rather gave, it's all about them and their needs. Where's God? Where's His glory? Where's obedience to the Father? If you love Jesus, you will obey His commands. How do you know people are believers, says the Lord? By the way they obey me and keep my commandments. You see, we've lost sight of Jesus Christ. There's an idol in the place of Jesus Christ and it's me, myself and I, the unholy trinity. So we have to be a growing church, Wanganu East. How do we keep to be a growing church? We allow the Holy Spirit to keep on working through us. How do we do that? Each of us individually needs to be responding to the Holy Spirit because we comprise the church. And if one of us isn't in a relationship where we should be with Him, it affects the rest of the body because we are one body. And when one is suffering, the others suffer. When one is disobedient, the others are tainted. We are to be a growing church. Next point, we are to be a proclaiming and a protecting church. What does our statement of faith say? It is the proclaimer and protector of divine truth and has the God-given task of taking the gospel to a lost world. So we are to be a proclaiming and a protecting church. Proclaiming means we are to speak out the word of God, not just through our words, not just through the preaching, but through the way we live our lives in the world when we walk out from this place. We are to proclaim Jesus Christ is alive and I follow him. I'm a Christ follower. That's what we are to be doing out there. We are to preach the truth. Verse 20, we are to build on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, the Old Testament and the New Testament, preaching the whole of God's Word without exception. We can't put more emphasis on one section and not on the other. We've got to preach the whole counsel of God. And so when it comes to proclaiming the Gospel message, we've got to speak about His mercy and His judgment. We can't just not speak about His judgment because the world doesn't like the message. We've got to proclaim the full counsel of God. We can't leave out anything because of inconvenience. We can't leave out anything because of difficult passages or social pressure to conform as I believe our union is under. We do not have to listen to society. We listen to Jesus Christ alone. We follow Him alone. Society needs to hear about Him. Second Timothy 4, verse 1 to 4, you should all know which I'm talking about now. Paul's charge to young Timothy as he took over the leadership of the church at Ephesus. This is what he said. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. That's quite an introduction. What are you to do, Timothy? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. I believe in New Zealand we are in an out of season period. People do not want to hear the truth. They will rather avoid it or change it or somehow tweak it so that society finds it more acceptable. 
But preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. I tell you, when I, we have a gathering of churches, I see it around me because I hear what they say. Who do not endure sound teaching but have itching ears and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths or untruths. That's what's happening, man. And my heart cries out when I see it. The body of Christ led astray. We are to be a proclaiming and a protecting truth, uh, church. We are to protect the truth. And it doesn't just come down on the body of the church. We are to pre- preach accurately and what God's Word says. We are also to protect the truth in our personal lives. You and I. I'm speaking about personal situational apologetics. Do I need to translate that? Personal, situational apologetics. When someone says to you, Hey, why is your life different? What's the answer you get? Personal, situational apologetics. Hey, why didn't you do this or that? You don't tell them about the rules and regulations that you want to adhere to because you're religious. You tell them because I love Jesus Christ and He says, I mustn't do that. Or I must love you. Or I had to stop and help you to change your tire in your car. Hey? Because of Jesus Christ. Personal situational apologetics. Sometimes we're scared to get into that stuff because we think we're not going to know the answer. The Holy Spirit will show us what to say. God has promised. We are to protect the truth. When people attack what we believe, we are to, if we can't come back right then and say, I'm going to have coffee with you. Give me two weeks. We'll make an appointment. And I want to talk about this. So why does God allow so many people to die? And why do so many injustices seem to happen? I can't tell you that answer right now, but I'm going to come back to you because I know my God is a loving God. And then make an appointment to that person and get back to them and talk and ask questions before you go. And then get to the next thing that they're going to chuck at you. And answer that. And in that way, we are an influence for Jesus Christ, you see. It's in that interactive discussion. Because in our postmodern world, those people are not going to come to a church service. They'd rather go to the beach and play golf. But we are the church among them. We need to take that question and discuss it with them. They will want to interact with us in that way because they are looking for answers. We need to be there. But how do we do that? And we're going to come to that next week. We are to protect the truth. And then lastly, we are to be a multiplying church. A multiplying church. We've been given the God-given task of taking the gospel to a lost world. What is the Great Commission? Turn around and look at the back wall. Jesus said, This is his command to us, Wanganui East Baptist Church. Go into all the worlds and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go therefore, he says, 
into your community, into your families, into your workplaces. What must you go and do? Go and make disciples of all nations. A disciple is only made when they are changed in their hearts. So we've got to give them the gospel message. And once they've got the gospel message and God does His work of bringing life to them, this is when we as believers get around them, put our arm around them and say, now I'm going to walk with you. We're going to disciple together. Don't use that word, by the way. Walk the walk of life with them. Answer their questions. Show them that you are a Christian who also falters and falls, but Jesus Christ forgives. Give them that access into your private life. Tell them your personal testimony of how God means so much to you. What has He done in your life? How has He changed your relationship to people? Have those discussions on life and truth. Speak about how God is real in various situations in life. Take them to your home group. It's less threatening than coming to a church. Let them just meet believers in a home. And then when God does His work, bring them here to join with us. What is our church motto, Wangunu East? Nope. That's our newspaper blurb. Nope. Sorry? To know Jesus and to make Him known. We need to know what we stand for. (laughs) To know Jesus, right? It doesn't stop there. And to make Him known. We're very good at the first bit. We try to be anyway. But the thing is, if you know Jesus Christ and He knows you, you will want to make His name known too. And if you don't want to make his name, name known, come back to the first section because there's something wrong. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this? We believe in the church, right? How do we do this? We need to love and appreciate each other. We are the brought near ones. Look around you, please. Please do. If someone's sleeping, wake them. <laughs> Look around them. Yes, even the sleeping one. They are brought near once to Jesus Christ. We need to love each other with the love of Jesus Christ. How's that? We need to love each other with outrageous love, like Jesus did. That's real, get out of your comfort zone type of love. That's sacrificial love. That's getting your car love. That's let me help you with this love. Let me look after your kids love. Outrageous love for each other. Because the world sees and they take note. And we need to forgive each other. And when those people rub you up the wrong way, and it's not going to take long and it will happen, remember, Jesus loves them warts and all. But He's taking away their warts. What about yours? Is He taking yours away? Love each other. Forgive each other with outrageous forgiveness. How can you forgive them for doing that? Because Jesus loves me more. Secondly, we need to genuinely love and take an interest in anyone who comes here as a visitor or a, someone who drifts in. I call them, and I use it carefully here, the brought here ones. Okay, So we've got the brought near ones and the brought here ones. Who brings them here, by the way? The Lord Jesus Christ, and hopefully you as well. 
When people come through the doors of this church, can they see that we love each other? In the way that we love with them and show a real genuine interest, not the how are you today and by the way, and then I watch the rugby. You know, we do that sometimes. Do we genuinely care and look after the people that come in amongst us? Do we make them feel welcome? Do we take them through, get to know them, invite them for lunch? And yes, you might not have prepared. Invite them anyway. What's one more meal going to do? Show them love. I remember the first time we came to New Zealand. We'd been here two days. Went to our first church service. Our local church, we believe, so we went there. St. Andrew's Presbyterian. Sorry, we, we weren't staying near here. And at the door, the person that greeted us, John Tripe. What are you doing after lunch, after church today? Oh no, I don't know. We just You're coming to lunch. I remember that 20 years ago. We're still friends. Invite people. Show them the love of Jesus Christ. May they feel welcome here. And then get alongside them in life. Take them along to your local interest group. If you like playing tennis, take them to tennis. If you sing in the choir, take them to choir. Get alongside them. Get to know them. That's how disciples are made. It's that interaction as we live out Jesus Christ. Thirdly, are we showing outrageous love to our community and our city, Wanganu East Baptist Church? I call them the out there ones. Because I had to, I'm a pastor, a preacher. They're the out there ones. We invite people to join us inside our church, but do we also take our time, our gifts and our money and pour ourselves out in deeds of love and service to our local community and city so they can see us? And yes, if you're an accountant or you're a doctor or you're a whatever you are out there in the community, you can live Jesus Christ in the way you serve your community and when they see the way you interact with them and they see the love and the personal attention you give, it speaks volumes of Jesus Christ. That's showing outrageous love. But do we go further than that? Outside of our jobs, when you get time and make time, do you also serve this community in some way and show them Jesus Christ? Does the world recognize our love for them? Are we the kind of church of which the world says, we don't share a lot of their beliefs, but I shudder to think of what the city would be without them. They're such an important part of this community. They give so much of themselves. Does our community say that of Wanganui East Baptist Church? You and I. Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 2 verse 12, he says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of their visitation. Though they accuse us and say, we don't believe in that stuff you guys believe in, that's just not real, man. But I can see that you're different. Because you love us, you care for me, and they'll give glory to God when God makes that happen in their lives. And then lastly this morning is, I want to ask us personally as the Wanganui East Baptist Church, are we a Christ-led church? And the only way we can answer that is, what is your life like before Jesus Christ? Are you Christ-led? Because if you're not, and if you're not, and if you're not, then we can't be a Christ-led church.
Are we still on track as a church? Next time, we're going to look at that. And how can we be an influence in this Wanganui community? In different ways, maybe. We'll look at that next week. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank you for that beautiful thing you did right through Old Testament history where you spoke about that mystery which would come about, which one day was revealed as the church, the coming together of all those who believe in Jesus Christ, all those who believe in God, who have put their trust in God, both Jew and Gentile, in one new body. Lord, thank you for your love for all of us. Lord, we thank you for those who've come before us as the church, who've been faithful to you. Lord, may we remain faithful to you, our Saviour, the church of 2018 here. Lord, keep us faithful to the way you've told us to be followers of Jesus Christ, to the way you've commanded us to reach out into the world, to the way you've told us to love one another and to love those around us in the world so that they can see you. Keep us faithful through the enablement of your Spirit alone, we pray. Amen.